Hello, you're listening to 5-Minute Folklore with me, Bob Shoy. There's been a little break, but I'm back for another run of episodes, this time taking a folklore from each of the continents, from countries that we haven't visited yet. For this first one, we're starting with Oceania, to look at probably the most famous creature from the mythology of New Zealand, the Tanifa. Apologies in advance for any bad pronunciations, as there are some really tough ones on this episode. So, Tanifa are aquatic, dragon-type creatures that sometimes protect, but are often to be feared. You'll learn more about them later in the show, but first, here's today's five-minute folklore, the story of Tute Poroporo, which is inspired by the story The Tanifa of the Wanganai River from T. Al Home, the Maori magazine, from June 1962. Long ago, a boy named Tuariki was out on his canoe, fishing. He caught a shark and brought it home with him as a pet. He named the shark Tute Poroporo and kept him in a river near to his home, where he visited him daily with food. As time passed, the appearance of the shark began to change. Its skin hardened, scaled and turned to black. It grew wings, a lizard-like tail, and legs with sharp claws on the end. Its size increased massively. Eventually, its transformation was complete, and Tuariki realised that Tute Poroporo was not a shark at all, but a mythical water dragon known as a Tanifa. One day, the village came under attack by a group of cannibalistic rival warriors. In the onslaught, Tuariki was killed, and his body was taken away. After a few days, when Tute Poroporo had not been visited by Tuariki with food, the Tanifa decided to leave his home in the river and look for his human friend. He searched everywhere, but could not find him. He knew that Tuariki had been killed, and so set off to find those responsible. After travelling for a while, the Tanifa picked up a scent from the north. It was the smell of cooking human flesh. He roared in anger and swam toward it as fast as he could. The smell got stronger, and when he got close to the enemy's village, he found a cave and lay in wait. He didn't wait long before he heard some of the villagers travelling down the river in canoes. As they passed the cave, he charged out. The villagers panicked at the sight of the huge dragon and tried to flee in terror. But they could not outrun him, and Tute Poroporo devoured them all. He now had a taste for human flesh. The Tanifa continued to live in the cave, waiting for passers-by to feast on. After some time, when so many from the village had not returned, a search party set out to investigate. The Tanifa heard the canoes approaching, and, as usual, burst out of the cave as they passed. There were far more canoes this time, though, and as he ate those at the front, the other villagers got to the riverbank and fled. Those that escaped warned all of the nearby tribes not to use the river, as it now belonged to a fearsome Tanifa. 
Members of the various tribes gathered to discuss what to do about the beast, but they were all too afraid to confront it. One of the chiefs, an old man named Tama, spoke up. There is a man brave enough. His name is Al Kehu. He has triumphed over many monsters. I will go to him and ask for assistance. So, Tama travelled to Al Kehu's village and approached him. I have heard that you are the slayer of monsters. The people of my village and others surrounding it are living in fear of a terrible Tanifa. I am here to ask for your help. I have heard of this Tanifa, Al Kehu responded. Its name is Tutepurapura. Go home. Tomorrow I will battle with this beast. The next day, Al Kehu gathered some warriors and marched to Tama's village. In his hands were his two special weapons, which were lined with the teeth of sharks. When they arrived, he gave orders to his men. I need you to gather wood and craft a box big enough for me to lay inside. When the box was completed, he put it on the river and climbed inside with his weapons. The lid was closed on him and he was set afloat. As the box passed Tute Poroporo's cave, the Tanifa could smell that inside was a human. He rushed out and swallowed the box whole. Shortly after, he began to groan in agony. Within the belly of the Tanifa, Aokehu had smashed his way out of the wooden container and was slicing up the creature's insides. There was no way for the Tanifa to defend itself. It roared out and died. The Tanifa's body floated down the river and washed ashore. Alkehu's men rushed to it and cut it open, freeing the great warrior. The villagers came down and thanked Alkehu. They retrieved the bones of the Tanifa's previous victims from its belly and laid them to rest. Tute Poroporo's body was left for the birds and fishes to feed on. I hope you enjoyed the story. There are a few more shorter ones coming up on this episode, as well as a look into the Maori beliefs and superstitions, Tanifa's role as a monster or protector, and its similarities to other myths, monsters, and even dinosaurs. Appearances of Tanifa vary. Commonly, they are portrayed as a classical-looking dragon, very large and ferocious-looking, with lizard-like scaly skin, wings and sharp claws, but perhaps slightly more sea serpent-like as they tend to live in and around bodies of water. Many legends describe them as shapeshifters, taking the forms of sharks, whales, dolphins, octopuses, alligators and even pieces of wood or enchanted logs floating on the water. Sometimes they take the form of giant reptiles known as Ungarara or Kumi, or giant shark monsters. 
They are often described as having a sharp row of spikes running down their back. Other versions say that they don't need a physical body and exist only as a spirit. Tanifa live in deep pools, rivers, dark caves or in the sea, usually in dangerous areas, and some can tunnel beneath the earth. Many linguists believe that the name Tanifa originates from an old translation meaning shark species. Tanifa stories often involve a heroic character being tested and having to overcome the beast using Maori ingenuity and courage. These legends are still told and respected today. In many stories, Tanifa are territorial monsters that attack, kill and eat humans, and kidnap women. They are not always evil though. There are just as many stories that describe them as protectors, or kaitiaki, the Maori word for a protective guardian. They can protect areas and tribes. People would leave offerings and gifts for protective tanifa, commonly the first sweet potato or taro of the harvest, or, strangely, a green twig. Sacred songs would also be sung, and a kind of prayer, known as a karakia, would be said. Tanifa would make sure that people followed tapu, which is a set of rules in Maori culture. These rules include behaviours which are restricted or disapproved of, and also holy locations that are forbidden. If you broke tapu, you would have to deal with a tanifa. Many tribal groups are said to have their own tanifa. If the tribe was threatened in some way, their tanifa would attack the rival tribe to the one it protected. Sometimes, in a response to this, the tribe that was attacked would have their own tanifa retaliate, resulting in an epic tanifa battle. If a tribe managed to defeat a rival tanifa, they would cut off its head and eat it. There are also some beliefs that someone who communicated or interacted with Tanifa in their life could have the chance to return to life as a Tanifa after their death. Whether the Tanifa is a fearsome monster or a sacred predator, its power must be respected. Sometimes, Tanifa that are protected can turn against people if they aren't respected. Like in this story, which has some similarities to the one from the beginning of the episode, and I'm reading this from nzect.victoria.ac.nz The friendly monster was named Tekeri Piri Piri of the Upper Waikato. In return for a meal of cooked eels every day, he ate any hostile Maoris who sought to attack Ngati Rakawa. But one day, the children whose duty it was to bring the cooked eels to Tekeri Piri Piri ate the best portions of the eels themselves, leaving the Tanifa only the heads. Tekeri Piri Piri, annoyed at this trick, promptly forsook Ngati Rakawa and went elsewhere. But in his new home, nobody bought him eels, so he was forced to eat Maoris. It was not long before the Maoris objected to his taking ways and slew him.
There is an old superstition to throw a stick into the water when you're approaching dangerous sections of river. If the stick behaves strangely in any way, for instance floating upstream, then it is to be taken as a message from a tanifa that it is not safe to continue. Dangerous sections of river are always said to have a tanifa dwelling within them. One particular river that is notorious for having many tanifa living along it is the Waikato River. There is a trap you can set for tanifa on the river. You must make a raft with a house on it, made from reeds, flax and grass. Place the flesh of a seal inside the house and anchor the raft midstream. The tanifa will sniff out the seal and climb inside the house. Now, everyone, run in and attack. I'm going to tell another short story now about a tanifa that lived within Lake Taukahu. Long ago, a man named Tamahika built a home on the edge of the Lake Taukahu. He lived in it with his wife, Kuro, who he loved. One day, Kuro was bathing in the lake when a tanifa swam up from under the water. It grabbed her leg and dragged her down, down, to its lair at the bottom of the lake. The gods were watching, though, and were angry at the behaviour of this tanifa. They made the lake boil, which killed the creature, along with Kuro. The lake was renamed Kuro, and still boils today. As I said before, the Tanifa are probably the most well-known of the myths of New Zealand, and so there are many stories about them, including many variations of the Tute Poroporo story I told at the beginning, as it's one of the most famous Tanifa tales. There are also quite a few Tanifa stories involving harbours, as it is said that Tanifa created many of the harbours in New Zealand by carving out channels to the ocean. The female Tanifa, Arai Toiru, guided some of the first Maori to New Zealand in their canoes, her children carved out many harbours. Parirau Harbour is said to be the home of the Tanifa Awarau. Again, apologies for pronunciations. Wellington Harbour is also said to have been carved out by two Tanifa, in a very famous story. And I'm going to read this short version of that from tiaru.govt.nz. Wataitai and Ngake. Wataitai and Ngake were sea Tanifa who created Wellington Harbour. In tradition, the harbour was once a lake in which these Tanifa lived, but Ngake was restless and smashed his way through to nearby Cook Strait. Wataitai tried to get out a different way and became stranded on dry ground. It is said that his spirit took the form of a bird named Teikeo, which flew to the top of Wellington's Mount Victoria and mourned, the Maori word being Tangi. Hence the name of the mountain, Tange Teikeo. Moo from Hawaiian folktales share many similarities with Tanifa. They can be protectors or be harmful. They can be shapeshifters 
and they are sometimes considered as a kind of reptilian deity. Similarities can also be drawn to some Chinese dragon folklores. Old Tanifa stories are considered by some to be encounters between the Maori and surviving aquatic dinosaurs. In 1874, a species of Mosasaur was discovered in New Zealand and was named Tanifasaurus, after these Tanifa legends. I have one last story to tell now, about the Tanifa of Kaipara. One day, three sisters went into the woods to pick berries. They were spotted by a tanifa that was lurking amongst the trees. The tanifa saw how beautiful the girls were and decided that he wanted them to be his brides. He lunged out, terrifying the sisters, and began to chase them through the dark forest. One by one, he caught them. He looked at his prize and decided on the most beautiful of the three sisters for his bride, and let the other two go. He took the girl back to his lair, and made her his prisoner. She became his wife, and they had six children. Three of the children were Tanifa, and three were human. In secret, the woman taught her human sons how to make weapons, and fight, and about the ways of the Maori. When the boys were grown, they turned against their Tanifa brothers and killed them. Their Tanifa father tried to attack them, but together they slaughtered him too. They freed their mother and she took them with her, finally returning to their home village and family. So, Tanifa can be told to be scary or protective. Their stories can be used today to frighten children into staying away from dangerous areas of water, and also used in a much more friendly way, such as appearing and entertaining as the mascot of the Northland Rugby Union. There are also recent examples of the legends being taken much more seriously. For example, in 2002, the Ungate Nahu people in Waikato opposed a plan for a highway. They said it would destroy the lair of their Tanifa, Karatahi. As a result, the highway was built in a different area. I'm going to wrap up the episode now. During the break, I visited the British Podcast Awards in London for 5-Minute Folklore's nomination in the Best Fiction Podcast category. And although we didn't win anything, it was a great evening and I want to thank everyone for their kind words and support regarding that. If you want to get in contact with me, you can at 5minutefolklore at gmail.com or via the website 5minutefolklore.com where you can also find ways to support the show and find links to the various social media pages. And as usual, ratings and reviews on iTunes are really appreciated. Thanks to Rick Dove and Luke Martin for voices this week, and also thanks to Wayora, whose song Re Rehua you heard under the main story this week. 
The rest of the music was various traditional Maori chants. Thanks for listening. This run of episodes will be fortnightly instead of weekly, I'm afraid. But next episode, we'll be looking at another folklore from the Americas. To play us out now, we have a version from Poppet Stars of the children's song, One Day a Tanifa. Said, oh no, 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 you'd better.